0: Plus.
1: Hello and welcome to a Monday edition of the Managing Madrid podcast. I'm your host, Keon Savani. Today, I'm joined by Matt Wiltsy, the one and only. And we're kind of, I guess, halfway through the international break now. So there's not much going on. There is just the international games, which are being covered on managingmadrid.com in written form. We're not going to dive too deep on that in podcast form. But we are going to talk about Real Madrid. We're going to talk about some tactical things and our lack of striker. And uh, I think most of our patrons know at this point because we've done a bunch of patron podcasts. But for those of you who are not aware, I have braces now. So it's been a little bit challenging to push my words out and uh, avoid the list that I currently have. I'm told that it will, once I acclimatize myself to it, like after a couple of weeks, it should get better. But for now, this is kind of... Uh, what you get and just want I just wanted to put that out there. That's why I'm struggling a little bit with uh some of the S's and some of the words that I put out. Doesn't matter. We're here now. Matt Wilsey is also here. Matt, how are you my friend? What's up?
2: Hey Kian, yeah, doing well. Yeah. I'm uh, you know I'm excited to uh talk in verbal form about uh the article I wrote the other week and kinda extrapolate that a, a little bit more.
1: Yeah, so uh, I try to do this as much as I can. Uh, whenever someone writes an article on Managing Madrid that's you know not news, but it's a little bit uh, thought-provoking, and there's some analysis behind it, some data, some visuals, whatever, I like to have them on the podcast to just talk about the article. So Matt's article is on managingmadrid.com. You can go read it. It's called Real Madrid's Unconventional Offense, Prolific Dribblers Ready to Defy Critics. So this is, this has to a lot of fans from what I've seen in the comments. Brought some solace, some comfort, some optimism to fans who are uh, understandably very worried about our striker situation. So you brought a different perspective to it, which I thought was interesting. Um, and, And you kind of just outlined why maybe it's not that big of a deal this season, which is kind of a shocking take just if you put it that way without explaining why you think that's the case. Um, but I'm curious, Matt, did you, did you feel this way before the season started? Or did you feel like, like once you saw the first four games, maybe that kind of twisted your arm and, and, and made you more positive?
2: Um, I don't know. It's hard to put, it's hard to put an exact thought on when I started feeling like this, I think, I liked, I mean, I liked everything we saw from preseason for the most part. Like, I thought it was exciting. And I think throughout preseason into the season, I don't know if I've been part of a small minority or not, but I've always kind of just, I felt excited about this team and I felt it was something fresh. It was something new. And I liked a lot of what we had seen going into it and to start the season. And I remember seeing a graphic floating around on my timeline kind of early on before the season started showing 2022's best dribblers and three of our players were on the top 10 list for for 2022 Vinicius jr jude bellingham and rodrigo and so i thought to myself you have three of the best dribblers in the world in your attack like that's going to be a differentiator i don't care I don't care if we don't have a striker like that is a differentiator to have players that can beat other defenders, those opposing them off the dribble. It just makes such a big difference. And so I started digging kind of deeper into the the numbers and the analysis and like came away feeling more and more encouraged and feeling like kind of my initial sentiments were in the right direction. Like there is, there is stuff to be excited about here. And I think Ancelotti's done a nice job of like really playing on that and really um, um, putting these guys in the most dangerous position possible to capitalize on basically their their dribbling skills and their technique.
1: Yeah, I've actually really liked what I've seen from Ancelotti in his way of orchestrating how all this works. I've seen him get criticism in these past four games. And I think that's pretty unfair because I think in terms of maximizing the output of Bellingham, and also just making it work without a striker. I think he's done a really creative job in in making Real Madrid create chances. Um, I did want to, there, I, I will say, as much as I, I liked your article, I thought you were a little bit bullish and more optimistic than me about the scoring department. So in the very first paragraph, you state Real Madrid will score goals buckets of them there will be an ingenuity unpredictability and eccentric flash in the final third so i i agree with most of that i actually i don't disagree with any of it uh fundamentally but I like i don't disagree that ream will score goals i don't disagree that there will be ingenuity unpredictability and eccentric flash in the final third the part i'm i'm a little bit more pessimistic about than you are about the buckets of goals part uh I don't know. I guess time will tell. Uh, I think if you put a striker in the mix with these three incredible dribblers, maybe you could do a 4-2-3-1, whatever it looks like. I don't know. But I think if you had that insurance policy of of an actual goal scorer, that that would make me more confident. But uh, the buckets of them part, buckets of goals part, what makes you so, I guess, bullish on that?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I... I think you aren't the only one that had that assessment or that kind of pushback. And I don't necessarily disagree with it. I just think that these guys are going to produce such a large volume of opportunities that the goals will come, even if they miss a bunch. And that's why I actually wrote kind of towards the end of the article that I wouldn't be surprised. You could make the argument that this team actually underperforms their expected goals, but still scores over 75 goals. In La Liga this season. Um, And that's just because of the sheer quantity of chance creation rather than, um, like, having a good... Like, we don't have a goal-guzzling number 9. We don't have that strike. I mean, Posse Lu, obviously, but it's not the same as Cream Benzema or strikers of the past in Real Madrid history. And so I think it's just going to be a little bit different. And I think it's not like these guys don't know how to score. Um, it's just that it's not kind of something that has always been their main responsibility. And I think now, just given the, just again, the volume of chances, I think that's going to be the main difference. And that's why I'm bullish on it.
1: Well, I think it's interesting to note about the three dri- dribblers thing. I remember thinking about that in the summer too. And even before that, when we, when you Bellingham was, the best dribbler in the Bundesliga, analytically speaking, you couple that with Rodrigo, who is arguably on par with Vinicius, at least if you if you break it down with the uh, to the like per ninety, and not look at the total volume of dribblers because obviously Vinicius plays more, played more last season, so obviously his volume will be higher. But the successful take ons per ninety, I believe, was pretty on par the last time I looked at it last season, anyway.
2: They're all in the ninety seventh
1: percentile or higher, right? So other wingers
2: or forwards, like it's
1: ridiculous. Yeah. So either way, like the bottom line is you have these three elite, elite dribblers who can break lines and create from nothing, um, which is invaluable against play- when playing against a low block. I'd like to see. I mean, like we 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 won't really know until the season ends. Obviously. Because I was going to say, like, we won't even know, like, Christmas is not even a measuring stick for me because so many of these games are not with Vinicius. Because I think this is contingent to a large degree with Vinicius being on the field, and he's not going to be back until around mid-October. So you have, you'll have you have that entire sample size without Vinny. And then, like, maybe from mid-October to Christmas, you have, like, a decent, like, sample size. Still not enough to me of to say, like, okay, this team is really good. It's obviously way too early to tell. We're four games in. I was like, just out of curiosity, I looked without with without really putting too much weight into it. But if you sort it per game, RAM just XG is slightly better, but pretty much on par with last season per game. It's basically just over two goals per game are XG. I also think, Matt, uh, one thing to remember is we didn't really have Benzema last season. If you, you know, if you break it down for the whole season, how much was he actually on the field? The entire stretch before the World Cup, we were playing without a striker. We basically have replaced our front three before the World Cup from Fede Valverde to Bellingham because it was Vinicius, Rodrigo, Fede Valverde for the majority of the games before the World Cup. So, you know, it's not like, I, I, For that reason alone, we might actually surpass last season's goal tally because, you know, it's not like Benzema was on the field that much.
2: Well, yeah, I think you bring up a good point too. just like I think the caveat I would put for my article and the point I was trying to make is health matters. And that's kind of been the big question around this team is like, OK, Vinicius goes down, then all of a sudden Rodrigo goes down and then you're really starting to go down the depth chart, then there's a question of like, okay, what can this team really do? That's where I'm like, okay, 80 goals, maybe not happening if you lose those two. So injury, health does matter. I would say this, though, about Rodrigo. Um, I was looking at his numbers throughout this project, and just to start the season, he's been incredible. He's tops the list in, first in La Liga and carries into the p- penalty area. First in La Liga and progressive carries. First in La Liga and progressive passes received. First in La Liga and total shots. And then he's in the top ten of a bunch of other categories, in, including successful take-ons, carrying distance, expected assists, and non-penalty xG per ninety. So Rodrigo is killing it right now. Yes, he hasn't scored all the goals we've expected to him in these in these games, but. He's been great. I think to start the season, I think he'll continue to be great. I think you look at his numbers and you look at all his underlying numbers, you compare them to other forwards and wingers. He's amongst the very best in the world. And who are you going to sign in the market to replace him besides your Mbappe's and your Holland's? Like there's no one better. So why not give him this starting position? It's really about not signing a striker is really about giving Rodrigo the starting role alongside Bellingham. Um and Vinicius. And so but theoretically he would be the odd man out if you were to sign a striker potentially or another midfielder gets sacrificed. But I think it's about giving this guy a kid who deserves to be a starter now the full-on opportunity. And um his numbers really excite me.
1: So we kind of spoke about this a while back. I think it was last season when you wrote your article about Cavara versus Rodrigo. And um <clears throat> my train of thinking with Rodrigo has always been like, he's always, he is good enough to start for Real Madrid, but he's kind of like, I I feel like going to be the odd man out also. Like if we sign somebody else, like another star attacker and it's just kind of the nature of the game, be it fair or unfair. You know, like when you think about like Guti who came off the bench so much for Real Madrid, but was also clearly good enough to start every game. If, uh, if it, if it required him to, I feel like Rodrigo is similar in that regard. I also think it's very tricky. Once you start getting past the elite strikers that you'd want to sign for this position, are there players who are better than Rodrigo that you could sign? I think that that is true. Yes, there are better players. The question is always, and this is where squad building, I think gets a little bit tricky. And I think some fans forget is that, is a player being marginally better than rodrigo worth kind of hindering his development and i think that's that's a question that the board has to weigh and uh you know it's it's not it's not always easy and and i know we and I, I know i know a lot of fans say well like we need depth we need depth i, I know that's true but again like if the option is for example 200 million for Osiman, um to start over Rodrigo there's like the board rightfully would turn that down. Right. So uh, these, these things are a little bit difficult to juggle. I, but I do want to ask another question of you that is related to this because we're talking about Bellingham, Rodrigo and Vinicius being so efficient at breaking lines with their dribbling. Is there a formation that would work or you had all three of them plus a striker? Um, in the fold that would maximize the creative output of all these three.
2: You mentioned it a four, two, three, one would work. Uh, You're obviously sacrificing a midfielder and that's where we're squad heavy right now and where we do have the depth. So would I recommend making that change right now with this current squad? I don't know that I would given what we've seen early signs of the diamond and what we have just with this squad. But yeah, I think a 4-2-3-1 would work and you'd have a major selection headache on who the two guys are behind Bellingham. And I think one more point on the Rodrigo thing, I think I think he fits this squad and complements players much better than like an uh, Osiman would or some of these other names that have been put out there. And I think I think maybe still as much as we try to promote his quality and like point all the numbers. But I still think to a degree he's underrated. And like, I think he's bigger than a two super sub role. And like Florentino Perez, I always find it very, very interesting that Florentino Perez always says Vinicius or Rodrigo can win the Ballon d'Or in the future. Like he always puts the two together. Um, and so it shows how highly he rates him. And I just think, I, yeah, I just, I'm maybe I'm too bullish on him, and maybe I kind of am overestimating his talent. But I've just, from what I've seen from him over the last season and a half, I think, to your point, there's more than enough there to be a Real Madrid starter. And I think, like, greater than the Gucci role where he gets sacrificed. Like, I think, I think he'll show this season that he'll be undroppable.
1: I. I I think I think this this conversation with Rodrigo would be a lot easier if he was a great goal scorer. Um, I mean, this would be really easy. Be like, well, we he you can just put him false nine, and he'll score twenty twenty five goals a season. And in addition to him being a great line breaker, he can also put up goals like that. Maybe he can. By the way, like I I, I won't discount it completely. Um. He's shown in the past, I mean, specifically in the Champions League, for being honest, that he can put away a minimal amount of chances that he gets and be crazy efficient. <clears throat> the question is, can he, can he do that over a long course of a domestic season? And Because if you if you ask him to be a goal-scoring contributor from the wings, that's great. I mean, he's, he's, he's really good at that. If you're asking him to be a main goal scorer, that's something he hasn't proven he can do yet. Um, But maybe that doesn't matter as much if you have Vinicius Rodrigo and Bellingham all scoring, um, you know, a combined, let's say 60 goals combined over the course of a season. Then it won't, won't matter as much. And I guess that brings me to another question. Maybe, maybe we can, maybe like, I I tend to agree with your optimism, generally speaking, by the way, like I'm I'm more on the positive side, because as much as I wanted a striker and I shouted it for the rooftops, I I will continue to say it's like I. In a Champions League knockout double game, like a KO game or even in the course of a season, I'd say there are less than a handful of teams that I would say, and even then I'd have to really think about it that that are better than us, even without a striker. And and I like I'm curious to get your thoughts on this because Lucas and I had a discussion about it about like whether or not Bellingham can sustain it. And I know it's easy to say Bellingham can't sustain it because he's not a striker. And quite frankly, even if he was, I think it would be hard to sustain anyway because then you're talking about like Holland level production, you know, scoring five goals in four games and doing that over the course of a season. But I think there's a part of me, and this is the optimistic side of me that thinks maybe it is sustainable, more sustainable than we think only because the only reason I say this is because first of all, Bellingham can finish like that part of his, that's not going to go away. He's he can do that. And the other thing that's not going to go away, Matt is he is going to get like a clear cut, at least one or two clear cut chances per game because of his intelligence and movement off the ball. So what do you think? Can, can he sustain that?
2: I, the current, Goal scoring ratio, I don't think it's the same, but I agree with Ancelotti that I think he'll get 15 goals um, at least. And you mentioned yeah. the 60 goal mark between the three of them. I mean, I mean Rodrigo and Vinicius got 20 last season. I, I don't doubt they'll reach that figure again and get a little bit higher than that. Actually, so if they each get 20 plus 15 for uh, Bellium, you're already at 50, or you're already at 55. It's just five more goals, and so I could easily see that happening. Um, and that. And that's just the three of them, so I, yeah, I I think it's there. And one thing that I kind of, one thing that stayed in my mind that Pep Guardiola has said um, in previous seasons, and I've brought this up, or I, he said it last season. I brought this up on the podcast before, and part of the reason why he made this switch to the four center backs playing in his defense, and obviously they're not all they're all they're not all playing center back, but he wanted out and out defenders. He said. At the Champions League level, at the highest level, it's about winning duels 1v1. Um, And we weren't winning duels. And so what I think Vinicius, Rodrigo, and Bellingham do, that arguably no other team on the planet has this type of quality in the final third, um, is that they could take those defenders on and probably, even if they only win half half their duels or beat their man half the time, they're going to create opportunities, um, and I think there's no Like it's not like a system based approach. It's pure ingenuity, pure creativity from these guys. Pure kind of unpredictability, which can which can only be scouted so much. They're just that good that they can take you on one on one off the dribble, and so that's where like we deviate away from the systems based approach. But I think this is where, especially at the highest level, I think it will only help us. And I think when you're taking on the elite, elite defenders, and you've got those guys that Guardiola has positioned in spots where they're probably the best, some of the best one v one defenders in the world, I think you're you're just increasing your chances of beating that those type of defenders and
1: those type of systems. Step into the world of power loyalty Yeah, and I mean, when, you, when you're when you talking about all those young legs up front, something that, you know, we still have been asking for, because you have the, the profile of players to do it this year, is to press more. I haven't, like, we've kept a pretty high line this season. If you look at the numbers, uh, we are eighth in passes per defensive action. So we're not we're still not nearly as aggressive as Barcelona in terms of our press but I think we have the ability to sustain it now and we have been decently aggressive <clears throat> and I think our counter press has been amazing and this is uh maybe a not a in, in a direct causation to scoring more goals but maybe an underrated one that has nothing to do with it, the attack there's a part of me that thinks that having too many as a consistent start of this season actually helps our offense. And I'm not just talking about like the ball progression from the back, which he's been very good at this season so far. But his counter-pressing and his pressing has been very good from that position. And if you have him, plus you have all the young midfielders, plus Vinicius Rodrigo, and then you have the depth to come in off the bench and to swap in some fresh legs to sustain the press, I think too many can be a really good organizer and helping us win balls high up the pitch and generate some artificial attacking transition opportunities. So I, I actually look at too many and think this guy helps our offense a lot. Um, But I, I I'm generally like I do side with your optimism in, in, in a lot of ways. I'm just kind of yeah. worried still about the sustainability. Well,
2: yeah. And I think to your point there on the counter pressing, I think we saw that against Celta, especially. And I mean, it's just, why do teams press high now? Why is that, like, the big rule of thumb? And why do so many teams want to implement it? Because the higher you win the ball at the pitch, the closer you are to the opposition's goal, the less work you have to do to score a goal. Um, and so I think that's why. And I think we're going to be a team that maybe doesn't press or counter-press, like, 24-7, but we're going to pick and choose our moments, um, and which I personally think is the best way to do it, because you can serve energy and you – keep yourself from being, if it doesn't go right, you keep yourself from being torn apart. Um, So I, yeah, I, 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 agree with you. I think, I think you can, you can push this out to just like the whole setup of the team and the general tactics as well. Like that's what makes you kind of more optimistic. And I think the other thing that I pointed out in the article is that Ancelotti has strategically positioned these guys centrally closer to goal like, Vinicius isn't picking up the ball in his own half anymore. Maybe once or twice, whereas he used to do that, like, six, seven, eight times a game. Now he's much closer to the goal, and he's conserving his kind of explosive sprints and his energy to be in that in that central final third. And we've talked to Ad Nauseam already about some of the runs he makes and how it's not that different. What I do think, though, is maybe his output won't be as um in terms of like the number of take ons the number of crosses the number of um total um assists won't be quite as high but i think the rather than the qual the quantity i think the quality of his opportunities he gets will be higher and i do think he'll score more goals and i do think he'll get better chances like i bet his overall xg come the end of the season is is much higher than it was last year you're on mute
1: awesome uh there that's fixed um yeah it's possible it's very possible uh it it does hurt us that he's not in the field but we're kind of lucky that there's a couple international breaks here to buy us some time until he comes back um you, you just going back to the press we talk about like you you spoke about the um Just why, like, a press and why teams press, and and the ability to not only create chances, more chances, but also to shield, like, you know, so you don't concede as many defensive opportunities, defensive ch- ch- our chances in transition. Rather, think about like how good of a job do you think we've done in limiting how many big chances we concede? Like, how many saves have Kepa and Lunen actually had to make. Has Kepa been tested that much? I feel like we've done a really good job. I don't know why, but there's almost part of me that thinks like if Courtois was there, we would have noticed him more because we maybe we would have been a little bit more, I don't know. <laughs> I don't I don't really know. I can't prove it, but it just almost feels like when Courtois is on the field, like he's being constantly tested with these massive saves. We've done a really good job of limiting the chances that Kepa has had to face, wouldn't you say?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think coming out of preseason, that was our concern. Like, we liked, actually, what we saw from the offense. But uh, we were giving up goals pretty easily. And the press was getting through – I mean, teams were getting through it pretty easily. And so, I do think that's approved. I don't know that we played really that great of teams yet, especially from a final third standpoint. Yeah. But I think Real Sociedad is going to be a great test. Um, and it's always a fun game when they – and they come to the Santiago Bernabéu, so I think that will be a good game. But yeah, I, I want to see. Like so far, I feel I feel positive about the start of the season. But as we always like to caution, like it's early days. It's only been what four games, um, three games, four games, and uh, yeah, just we need some bigger tests are definitely coming in the next few weeks with Real Sociedad, Atleti, Champions League.
1: Yeah, definitely. I I will say like, to be fair to us, and all that is true, by the way. Like Real Sociedad is going to be our be- best, biggest test so far. Um, I will say to our credit, you know, San Mamés and Vallejos were tough pl- places to play.
2: Yeah, to do all this away is not so easy. To...
1: Yeah. Um. So you know, given that we're back home, and and Getafe, obviously not a team what you would associate with a masterclass or difficult to play, but. Considering they kicked the shit out of us for 90 minutes, and uh, we should have had two penalties, I, I would say that one, you know, we 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 did well to to scrape that one out too. But yeah, I I think you'll start to see when Real Sociedad rolls into town that'll be tough. Atletico away, well, Atletico it depends what version you get, but so far this season they've been they've looked really good. They will certainly test us. Um, then you're getting into the Napoli range in october barca also there's also a classico in october so th- that's when you kind of start to see more of the tests but i i think so far so good we can only measure what we've seen so far and i think it's right and i i think it's okay and fair to be worried about the bigger tests um for example you know attacking star wingers who might go at carvajal and test some more that's one example um but so far so good is there anything else matt that uh you feel like we didn't touch on
2: Uh, no, I, I I think we, I think we talked about most of it. I, I think the Rodrigo point, especially just where he's landing in these metrics was something I didn't get to push as much in the article. So I did want to kind of make that point today.
1: Yeah. Uh, I, I think a lot of this season is kind of hanging on him too. How does, how does he step up? It's, it's going to be huge and he's going to have the opportunity obviously, because I think he's going to play a lot of minutes. so uh this is maybe the continuity he needs and the confidence he needs um and i i just hope he can stand up and i i believe in him i th- i think you know you and i have been high on rodrigo for a while and i have always felt that some of the reason why he isn't touted as some of the other starters around europe is precisely the reason that he hasn't been starting um consistently so uh i hope i hope rodrigo can good can come good and have faith in him matt i wanted to just announce a couple things really quickly before before i let you go so a lot of users in india have been unable over the years to join us on patreon and and they really wanted to some in india have found a way around that but it's been challenging and it's not just people in india but india i know for sure so we've opened up YouTube memberships. So if you want access to our Patreon and you can't YouTube memberships seems to be a way around that problem. So you can go there and sign up. Uh, I'll just put the link in the show notes and you guys can do that. If you wanted to become a patron, you haven't been able to. So I also wanted to give a shout out, Matt, before I let you go to our $10 plus patrons. Uh, So if, any of our patrons, I mean, all of our patrons access our entire bonus catalog. But if you pledge $10 or more, you get some more rewards like guaranteed responses to your questions. You also get specific shout outs on the podcast. So shout out to these people who give us $10 or more per month. Lots of love to you guys. Brandon Alvarez, Willie Reed, Will Sousa, Wamik Jamal, Walker Kuvin, Tobias Royal bacher Tahmid Kalam, Sushank Tamala, Sujai Wani. Sumanshu Singh, Sheikh Hatiri, Sergio Arispe, Santos Sorosano, Samuel e. Jusen, Samer Z, Sai Mohan, Sasi Kumar. That's all the S's out of the way so I can get my list out of the way. Rishi D, Phoenix, Peter Powell, Paulo Fierro, Patrick Odiafati, Oscar Barrera, Nico Laxo, <coughs> Nicholas Muller, Nick Rivero, Nelson Massariego. Naveen Babu, Ramesh Babu, Mowgli, MJ Diego, Michael Zinberg, Marin Myrtle, Matthew Atkins, Martin Ridman, Magnus Lext, Logan Stahl, Leon Savernakis, Kunal Tilakar, Kevin Rivera, Jose Osorio, Jose Cruz, John Fernandez, Jeff Soa, Jason Fitz, Jacob P., Ian Marley, <coughs> Howard Moore, Graham Gerard, Gary Cohut, Frederick Antakiro, Frederick Sundros, S.A. Davisito, Eloy Enriquez, Edward Sossman, Daniel Williams. Connor McMorrow, Christian Toff, Christian Akasa, Brendan Powers, Brandon Stevens, Arnab Mukherjee, Armin Gashi, Armando L., Anthony Tharp, Andres Silvestre, Ananya Kumar, Alex Thyberg, Azaz Hussein, Adar Zolikovic, Adam Dorsey, Bella Chow, Varun, Ramtin Mahroor, Primo, Fabian Moreno and Daniel Smith. Thank you so much for your support. Matt, thanks for taking a little bit of a time on your work break. <laughs> I know you could have been doing other things on your work break, like eating a nice meal, having a nice coffee, relaxing in the park, but you chose to do this instead. So thanks, buddy. Yep, thanks again. All right, take care. Peace. Thanks.
2: Sports Social Podcast Network.